Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Three Under Par podcast. This is a golf podcast where little white ball is life. I'm your host Scotty T, and I'm joined by my co-host T Bone. T Bone, how's it going? It's pretty good. Do you notice how I questioned when I said "is little white ball is life"? But you're not supposed to question because little white ball is life. It it's is. A, life. It's a statement of fact, really. That's true. That's you're you're speaking the truth. The reason I questioned was because I'm not the one that normally says it. We usually have a guy that says that. That's right. We are missing our third chair, our third host, KJ. KJ had... <laughs> it's a conspiracy right now. It's a Yeah. We're missing KJ. He had a little injury over the weekend. We're not really sure it, what exactly this happened. This could here. actually be a good viewer segment, with, like just to kind of get their thoughts on what actually happened, get some conspiracies going. Yes. But we can tell the facts of the story of what we know so far. So KJ yeah. was in San Antonio, and we don't really know what happened. Today, KJ, he, he texted us and said, y'all have fun today, and then sent a picture of his ankle, and it was swollen. It looked like a tree stump. Yes, his ankle looked like a tree stump, and long story short, he broke his ankle over the weekend. On a tree stump, allegedly. On. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it was a little hard to read the text message because I don't know if he's already on medicine or whatnot, but it was like he said he slipped, but then he tried to catch himself, and then when he tried to catch himself, he like karate kicked, kicked a, tree. a tree. Yeah, he kicked a tree and it snapped his ankle. Well, he said he Is also right? said I was. He goes, I was wearing my knockoff Nike golf shoes, and I slipped on like gravel, mm-hmm. and like sidewind kicked a tree and just shattered his ankle. And now he's getting surgery. He's getting surgery. <laughs> and we on don't know Friday. when we're going to see him again. <laughs> <laughs> so KJ is officially on IR. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, I'll keep you guys posted. Yeah, he's definitely out for tonight's podcast, but could be up to questionable for for next week. We'll see. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know if he'll be on the full season IR. Yeah. Maybe like the like the physically unable to perform list. Yeah, which is honestly pretty impressive for a podcast. Very impressive. For, I've never heard of it. For a golf podcast, <laughs> too. Golf podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, that's got to be a first-timer. But, hey, KJ, I hope you're listening, and we hope to get you back soon. Absolutely. It, don't kick any more trees, though. Don't kick any more trees. Or whatever you did. It, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. <laughs> for our listeners, tweet at us. Let us know what you think happened, because yeah. we are in the dark <laughs> as well as you are. We think we're in the know, but we're really not. We'll have to put a picture up on our our, uh, on our story or something of his ankle just so you guys can see it. I don't know if we want our viewers or followers to see that. Yeah, fair enough. But maybe we could get him, like, prep surgery when he's in his gown or whatever. Yeah, oh, I, think, yeah. I think that'll be pretty good. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're coming to you from the Canon in Houston. Thanks to our friends at the Canon for letting us record here. We mentioned social media. Check us out on social media at 300 Par Pod. That's the number three, 300 Par Pod. And that's the same across all the social media platforms. Our email is on there, too, so you can reach us via email or DMs. And then wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe and write us a review. But most importantly, give us a five-star rating. Actually, what's most important is that you tell a friend about the podcast. Anybody who loves golf who might enjoy our commentary, tell them about it. So, T-Bone, you were out of town over the weekend. Did you have a good weekend? (sighs) Well, let me tell you what. That was one hell of a weekend. Whoa. Tell me more. So, bachelor party in Cabo. That's kind of all I got to tell you, but I, I, I can get into some of the details. Um, this but you is, were able to play golf over there, right? I did. It was amazing. Holy, I've been, I haven't played a nice golf course in a long time. Mm-hmm. And just being out on the coastline, blue water, green fairways, just that salty air flowing through through my locks. It was <laughs> through your luscious locks. It was I, I was I was in my knickers. I was had my bloody mary knickers on, mm-hmm. drinking a bloody mary with the wind blowing through my hair. That sounds amazing. Tell me tell me that's not a good weekend. That's picture perfect. It and was, you're on a bachelor party too. And I was on a bachelor party. It Love was it. it was phenomenal. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so it was a good time. How about yours? Did we get a, get into a little uh, competitive golf this weekend? I did. I was and able just to... just for the record, mine was not very competitive. It was <laughs> it was more of a shit show, but hell of a time. But anyways, 
some competitive golf this weekend. Yeah, I played, I mentioned last week, I was playing in my first tournament. It was my first tournament I played in really since college. Now, it wasn't by myself, though. It was a four-ball event. It was a two-man four-ball. For those who don't know four-ball is, it's best ball. Essentially, you play your ball through the hole, and then you take your best score between you and your partner. So uh, a shout-out to my partner, Matt. Matt's the man. Uh, we grew up playing junior golf together through the ranks, and I totally ran into him randomly at a bar about six months ago in downtown Houston. And when I saw that the four balls coming up, just kind of thought of him. And Sounds like a dream team. It was a dream team. We finished third, though. We didn't win, which is, I guess it's a lot to ask to yeah, try to get the win. Yeah, for sure. Especially since we've been, yeah, since me and him were both out of competitive golf for a while. And, no, we had a good time. We shot 70-66. So, eight under, not T3. It was pretty cool. We got some pro shop credit. That was pretty nice. Not so, bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. It was a lot of fun. You know, I think I might try to try to ramp up the amateur schedule this year. We'll see. Wow. Yeah. I'll let our listeners know and keep them up to date. Nice. If y'all care about my amateur golf endeavors. but <laughs> Oh, we do. We'll see. We'll I'll see. keep teeing it up in in uh, Cabo and in bachelor parties. That's about all I've got cut out for right now. <laughs> That's Wait, fair. Are we are we actually playing some golf this weekend? We are playing golf this weekend. Me and T Bone. We are playing in a charity golf tournament in College Station this weekend with a couple of other buddies, and we'll probably be posting on the Instagram story and on the oh, yeah. and on Twitter. Keep you all updated on it. You know, probably the, we'll probably have a few drinks out there and. It'll, it'll be, be a lot of fun. Ni- it'll be nice to, you know, let the viewers kind of get a – this will be like the first really inside look of kind of the uh, three under par pod actually on the course. So yep. we'll uh, we'll keep it keep it going for you guys. I love it. I love it. All right, so let's get into a little PGA Tour golf here. This weekend was the Mexico or the WGC Mexico Open, and DJ was the man of the week. I mean, he just flat out ran away with the tournament. Uh, I know, obviously, you're probably busy. Did you have a chance to catch a little bit of golf? No, not a chance. Not but a chance. <laughs> I did see a few things. Um, yeah, what'd you see? I don't even know where to start, where to begin, but Tiger shot from the bunker with the samurai sword follow through. Let's go! Oh my yes. god, that was amazing! <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> the spin on that ball when it landed on the green and almost fucking jarred it. That was so cool. That was amazing. That like. Yeah, that was all over social media, all over Golf Channel, ESPN, you name it. Like, Tiger, baby. Tiger's back. And do you know what was awesome is that Patrick Reed had the same shot and hit the tree <laughs> in front of him. I saw that on Sunday, the yeah. last day. But yeah. if if you guys didn't see how far out was he? Like 160 or something? Yeah, yeah something like that. And just had to play this Mondo slice, and he hits the ball, and his follow-through looks like a samurai. It looks like he has a samurai sword and just like kind of did a – tomahawk chop yeah it was like he followed through but then helicopter helicopter samurai that's what it was yes i like that okay. i like that a lot <laughs> and this thing you just see it tracking and he's got this crazy pose just watching it and you want to talk about pulling the string this thing just zipped right when i hit the green and, and like landed on the left side spin. of the green went to about a, a foot from the hole and it wasn't really backspin it was like more side spin than anything and it was it was just so cool. That was that was really the only thing I saw, but that was awesome. Yeah, the memes that were going around too. Some person changed the PJ Tour logo and then they put it like on there of Tiger with the samurai sword finish. <laughs> Gosh, that was so cool. I'm all for changing that logo to that because it was amazing. But yeah, I mean, really besides that, T Bone, I mean it was it was pretty good golf. I mean, obviously down in Mexico, it's the highest elevation that they play at all year. So I think the broadcast did a pretty good job of putting in perspective, like, hey, they're 190. If they didn't have that, then they would show 190. Those guys are hitting, like, sometimes a 9-iron yeah. or 8-iron. But because of the altitude, the elevation, they are able yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, they were driving greens. that were uh, There was all those 415, and they were driving the green. I think the course played about 6,200 yards or 6,300 yards. So imagine, I mean, that's short for the average golfer. You put the PJ Tour guys on that just bombing anyway they're going to be driving most of the greens yeah. getting to most of the par fives and two um so dj won I, at minus 21 I so do, a number I do like think that, that makes me. his win like kind of even more impressive i think when you're in those high elevation courses and you hit it as far as he does you really gotta like dial in the numbers for that week it's hard to adjust absolutely and, and especially when you bomb it as far as he does but yeah, it wasn't. It seemed like there was no drama. It was just kind of a victory parade on Sunday. 
I mean, to your point real quick, you saw Tiger with the – to start the week, he's out there on the track, man, trying to adjust his numbers, trying to get those in. So with that altitude, it doesn't really surprise me that Rory and DJ are, you know, finished 1-2 because they hit the balls the farthest, really, uh, or, you know, some of the farthest out there on tour. Um, yeah, so quick things on DJ. One, he won by five. I mean, Rory tried to make it a match towards the end. He bogeyed the last little shot. Uh, to shoot 31 on the back but I mean every time Rory was making birdies DJ would either make birdie right on top of him so yeah it was it was okay to watch I think um yeah, I'm always okay with the DJ win absolutely I mean he won He's a man so that was DJ's 20th PJ Tour win he's tied 34th all time he now is tied with Hale Irwin and Greg Norman to name a few he passed Ben Crenshaw legendary Ben Crenshaw on PJ Tour wins look to win 20 times on the PJ Tour is incredible it really is i mean not many people have done it and i mean dj is one of the best players obviously he's one of the most athletic players to ever tee it up but i mean the amount of wins that he has it's it's incredible it really is i mean if you think about hill Irwin and greg norman those have got to be like up there with historically really good golfers yep and just think how much career dustin johnson has left i mean he's almost the number one player in the world arguably Mm -hmm. fully peaked right now and just it's kind of crazy to think how much better he'll be than those historic greats absolutely uh he's 34 years old really kind of that early 30s mid 30s that's the true prime of a, of a professional golfer it's kind of hard to put that in perspective especially when you see jordan spieth coming out win the masters when he's 21 years old justin thomas has already won a major dj He's winning, I think, on average, somewhere around 2.5 tournaments a year. So if he does that between now and, let's say, 40, I mean, he's going to end up with about 40 PJ Tour wins, and that's pretty close to top 10 of all time, I think. It is. It, I think it's easy also to kind of forget about how good he is just because there really are so many good golfers right mm-hmm. now. But uh, I think another talking point, I mean, even though he has a major, it's only one, and you would think he'd probably have more by now. But definitely, definitely more. I mean, obviously, the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach comes to mind. The PJ Championship at Whistling, Whistling Straits. Yep. Yeah, w- with how many close calls that DJ has had so far, we want more. And I think he expects more from himself, too. But, I mean, Phil has, what, six majors? I think it's six. So Yeah, six majors. So DJ could very well end up plenty with— Plenty of time. Yeah, plenty of time, five or six majors coming down the stretch. But like I said, there's so many good golfers. Realistically, I think he comes out with three, maybe four wins. In majors, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, but even if he doesn't, just the career he's already had—it's ju- just crazy to me that he's already tied with these like amazing golfers like Greg Norman, Hill Irwin, and he's got a lot of golf left. He has a ton of golf left. Uh, I want to touch on Rory real quick. We've kind of we kind of ragged on Rory to start the podcast a little bit of not being able to close. Look, when DJ finishes 21 under, you're not going to catch him. So, I'm, yeah, we can't knock Rory for that. But to put it in perspective for this year, Rory has played in four tournaments this year so far, and he has finished the top five in every single tournament so far, which is crazy. He finished T4th at the Century Tournament of Champions, 5th at the Farmers, 4th at the Genesis Open, and then 2nd this week at the WGC Mexico. Yeah, that's crazy good. It's crazy good. Now, it helps to win. Yeah. And I and the thing that sucks for being Rory is everyone I think a stat like that kind of goes under the radar. Like you're not really going noticed unless you're winning if you're Rory McIlroy. Mhm. I think it's obvious he's probably playing the most consistent and best golf of anybody on tour this year. I think that's a good sign though. I I don't think we should take anything negative away from this, especially with the players and the majors coming up. If he's already playing this consistently well, I'm, dude. He might win. He might win one or two this year. I know it's kind of a hot take, but and I also wonder if this sudden change of his schedule, kind of ramping it more with the new, uh, the wraparound schedule, and him starting his season a little bit earlier. I wonder if this is like the fine tuning he kind of need bef- needed before majors and big tournaments. So maybe this is like something new start of kind of how he approaches golf. Just starting it earlier and kind of getting ramped up before big tournaments like majors and the players and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good point because generally he wouldn't make really his start until the Florida swing, which is now. And now he's already played in four events this year. He um, First time playing in Kapalua, 
it, it definitely helps with FedEx Cup points, World Golf ranking points, all the points that matter. And yeah, like I said, most importantly, he's probably getting fine-tuned with it. His swing looks great. He's playing good golf. Ideally, I think I'd like to see him make a little bit more putts. But, you know, if he hits the ball that well, he'll be all right. He, yeah, he'll be all right. I think yeah. he'll be all right. Uh, I had a couple other really quick notes. Do you see Ricky Fowler's drop? So, so Ricky Fowler on Friday, I think he hit one out of bounds, and then he tried and he dropped one just from his shoulder. And then he didn't realize till after the round. It was, bottom line, he got a two-shot penalty. Again, the rules, they suck. It's stupid. It was my first time playing in a competitive tournament this weekend. And now, granted, it's it's like a South Texas Texas Golf Association tournament. So it's just me and our playing partners, no problem. But still, dropping from your knee is like a demoralizing feeling. It's well, very, it sucks. I don't like it. It sucks when you drop. That already sucks. And then you have to look like a little bitch while you're doing it. That's even worse. Yep. And Fowler had some comments about that. He said, it's not like I gained any advantage. And I think that's so true. I think they might eventually change the rule where you can drop anywhere between your your knees and your shoulder. But there's no advantage Do we dropping. know the, the origin of why this rule changed? Not a clue. Because, I mean, it never seemed like dropping from your, your shoulder, shoulder height was a problem. I know back at some point you had to drop from behind your back. Yes, that's true. Which... I mean, because our golf instructor yeah. used to always talk about that. Yeah. Like you ha- he had the drop from from behind his back, and then yeah. if it hit your back, then it was a penalty shot. Probably, it's probably just like the uh, just over time, the millennials getting softer, the drops <laughs> are getting too high, got to make it easier for us. Yep. Yeah. That's probably the theory. And I saw some comments made by, uh, by the USGA president, Mike Davis, and he said that overall he thought the rules would have been a great success. And I literally wrote down next to it, dumb. <laughs> Dumb, stupid. It's yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, look, I mean, we talked a lot about it, so I don't yeah. want to spend too much time on yeah. it. Yeah, but it's the the it's the underlying theme that nobody likes these really rule changes. Nobody likes them. The average player doesn't like them. The PJ Tour guys obviously don't like them. Between that, the caddy rule, um, it's just it doesn't it doesn't make sense. And obviously, the pen rule is what gets the most attention, but. See, I think there's some that are harmless that are good. Like having the pin in or not, that's fine. That's that's not a rule that's gonna. I don't think that can like add strokes to someone's score for doing something illegally. It honestly just makes it more convenient. The dropping thing is just really fucking annoying. Yeah, it's and sucks. it's gonna get people <laughs> penalty strokes along with the caddy lining up behind you. Those are two things that really don't matter, but it's gonna affect players. They're just not gonna be thinking because it's a stupid rule. Yep, and then they're going to get penalized. Yep, that's so right. So there are a few that just really grind my gears and, oh, and are really going to affect and already have affected scores. But, yeah, we already did our rules segment. I don't want to talk about them again. Okay, we're going to move on. The other quick note I had was Jordan Spieth didn't have a good showing again. I wrote down here on my notes, I'm not ready to sound the alarm, but if he doesn't play well at Augusta National, then I'll be officially concerned. And... With the Florida swing coming up, he's played okay in those tournaments. And the players, he finished, I think, second one year, the Martin Keimer. But that's when he was on fire, 2015. He was playing some really good golf there. He's always played well at Augusta. If he does not play well at the Masters this year, I think then it's time to sound the alarms. What Do you are, do you say sound the alarm for the year or for his career? At least for the year. Yeah, He's too good of a player to play this poorly for his career. What's crazy is how bad he's putting. I got some stats here. Um, strokes gained, I think, is a stat that maybe the average player doesn't really know about. Uh, I feel like we're we're pretty good players, and I still wasn't that familiar with strokes gained. So essentially what stroke gained means is how you compare it to the rest of the field, whether it be on your putting or, or off the tee. It's like in relation to the field, are you gaining shots on the field or are you losing shots on the field? So here are a couple of speed stats so far this year. Strokes gained off the tee, he's 199th. Strokes gained approach to the green, he's 113th. Strokes gained around the green, 134th. Strokes gained putting, now this is the big one, he's 116th on tour. And then strokes gained tee degree, 172nd. And strokes gained total, he's minus .548, which is 164th. So essentially that means for a total round of golf, just your average round, he's losing about a half a shot to the field. 
over four rounds, that's two shots. And the margin for error is so thin on the PGA Tour. If you lose a half a shot to the field a day, I mean, that's the difference between hundreds of thousands of dollars, World Golf Ranking points, FedEx Cup points, you name it. That's massive. And it's the putting one that I mentioned earlier. He's 116th strokes game putting. He's losing shots on the field. And he's known to be one of the best yeah, putters in the world. Game. Now, if you dive a little bit deeper in the stats, it's like, I forget exactly here, but if you're, he's like third or fourth on tour outside of 20 feet, but inside the four to eight range, that's where he's been struggling the most. And I think we saw a few red flags on that, even when he was playing really hot in 2015. Something as simple as he couldn't decide whether to look at the hole or not. You know, sometimes he'd be looking at the hole versus him putting or, or looking down at the ball. And it worked at the time. Obviously, you, you got to go with what works. But I think we're seeing now that that isn't sustainable for a long time. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, to me, that's the craziest thing ever. I could not believe that a player that good was ever doing that. But, again, yeah. I think what, it's whatever works. I remember playing, like, I played at a local course one time with some old man hack, and he was doing that. And I was like, this guy's the biggest hack I've ever seen. <laughs> And then, like, 10 years later, the best golfer in the world is doing it, winning the Masters. So, at the end of the day, it really is what just works, but it is almost so out of the ordinary that I I don't know. I think I want to reserve judgment, at least for the rest of the year, but starting at Augusta, because he plays that course pretty much better than anybody in the world on the planet. So, we'll see how he plays there, but the signs aren't looking too good. Look, I mean, he could find something and then just, you know, turn it on. Who knows? Again, what's crazy, we talked about DJ having a lot of time left. Think about DJ minus 10 years. Oh, 12 yeah. years. Jordan already has three majors? Three majors. Oh, gosh. Who gives a shit if he has <laughs> five off years? It doesn't matter. He'll yeah. be fine. He's going to find it. At, he's going to find his game sometime in the next 20 years. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I think it's more for just this year. It's not raised the red flags for his career, but for this year, We'll see how Augusta goes. Yeah, fair fair enough. Yeah. Okay, not only were the PJ Tour guys in Mexico, but they also had the side tournament in Puerto Rico. Shout out to Martin Trainer for getting the win there. It's huge. Uh, you know, he shot 15 under. He shot 67 on the final round, one by three. No, it's his, it's his first year on the PJ Tour. He's a PJ Tour rookie. He won over $500,000 for this one. Most importantly, he gets a two-year exemption on the PJ Tour. I think that's the one one of the most overlooked things for those guys, especially the web guys coming up. They get job security. Get you, yeah, get you that security. Mm-hmm. And now he gets to play in the, the PJ Championship, the players. He gets in a big one. Pretty much, it, it truly is a life changer. He even had a quote saying something along the lines of, I get to plan out my schedule this year. He yeah. doesn't have to worry about Monday qualifiers anymore. So shout out to Martin Trainer for the win. That's awesome. Uh, he definitely deserved it. So I want to get into a couple of quick headlines that I saw throughout the week. Steve Stricker was named the 2020 Ryder Cup captain. I think it's great. It's awesome. I loved it. I think it's interesting. He's the first Ryder Cup captain to be named who hasn't won a major. But the Ryder Cup is being played well, in hey, his maybe home state of Wisconsin. Okay. So, well, also maybe a change of pace because we have had a lot of captains with major wins, but... Not many really Ryder Cup won, wins. Yeah, haven't really won the <laughs> Ryder Cup. Thomas Bjorn, there's no way he's won a major, has he? No, yeah, the Europeans, they don't really care about major winners. Yeah, they just want to win. I mean, frankly, I don't think the U.S. does either, but generally the just the, the cream of the cop players tend to win majors. I could see in the future on the European side, I could see Lee Westwood being a captain. He's probably number one on the list of best players to never win a major. Yeah, for sure. But he has a heck of a Ryder Cup record, and... I think he'd be very well-deserving of eventually of getting that captainship. Did you hear what he said about his game, by the way? No. Recently, he was like, I'm too old and not scared of anything, so, like, watch out for me. Ooh. So, who knows? Ooh. Maybe he's due. I, he, like I mean, he is due. But, he's due. Yeah. I mean, he had so many top five finishes, <laughs> in, like, at the Masters. I think a couple years, like, three or four years in a row, his worst finish was third. A lot of people don't know this. I want to say I'm right about this. I'm not sure, but... The famous Tiger putt, 08, Pebble Beach, or shit, Torrey Pines. Yeah, Lee Westwood had a putt right before that to go into that playoff. He did. Yep, you're right. And almost made it. He he was right there. <laughs> I mean, that's a prime example of a guy yeah. who's just 
kind of I don't want to say lurking in the shadows, but kind of like that, just yeah. right there. But maybe you put the camera just to the right of him. Oh wait, there's Lee Westwood. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he's been close. We'll see if that happens. The other uh, so shout out to Steve Stricker for the Ryder Cup captain. Hopefully, we'll we'll get the cup back. We're gonna talk a lot about the Ryder Cup as we continue to do this podcast. Oh, so yeah. T-Bone, let's let's get in the golf gossip a little bit. We got T-Bone back here with golf gossip. Uh, so T-Bone, what did you see in the golf gossip world? Or fashion world even. There's some news on the I, fashion I world. I think it goes both ways. Our our topic for today falls under uh, fashion and gossip, mm-hmm. which is honestly my favorite kind of combo right there. Um, oh, yeah. But starting, what was it, two weeks ago? I think it was last week. This last week. This past week? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was right before they played it in Mexico. Okay. So it's been made official that PGA Tour players can wear shorts on Wednesday Pro-Ams. Yep, Wednesday Pro-Ams are practice rounds. Hmm. You know, I've I've stated my case on this already. Which you're I'm, not a fan of it, right? I don't know. I'm not a I don't think I'm a big fan. Okay. Uh Interesting. I just kind of feel like I've known what I've seen and known for so long is pants. <laughs> and I kind of I don't know if I want that to change. But it has started a bunch of stories, like Phil's fucking calves. <laughs> Dude, the tree trunks on oh that guy. Oh, my gosh. They're massive. But, oh, my gosh. But it's weird, like, seeing – it's its just so – I think I don't like it because it's so weird to me, like, seeing golfers' legs, seeing their socks and their shoes, and I'm <laughs> like, I see that all the time, but not from Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas or any of these guys. It's weird to just, like – I'm, like, looking at their socks now. I'm like – wonder what kind of socks he wears. Like, are those ankle or are those above ankle? And it's it's so <laughs> weird to me that I don't think I like it yet. I think I can ease up to it over time. It'll probably grow on you. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the PJ Tour. Those guys are playing on it. Whatever makes them more comfortable, I'm probably for. I thought it was funny because on our preview episode, you called it, man. I didn't think it was going to happen this year. But then right after the Genesis Open, they announced it, and I immediately thought of you, and I was like, oh, all right, go T-Bone. Yeah. But, he predicts it. The man of the also, future. You also <laughs> got to think, like, these guys got to be so tired of wearing pants, too. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's got to be a nice change of pace. Especially when it's hot outside. With how much golf they play, walking every time. I guess we can give them a break. Yeah. So, that yeah, that was... All, all he's into it. Dude, Phil's calves were massive. <laughs> oh, my sense. gosh. I immediately thought of Johnny Drama and Entourage. <laughs> yeah. We posted that. We posted that, yes. Yeah. We're just like, it's like, yeah, yeah, John was like, hey, bro, are those real? Are, they, are those real? Are it, those implants? No, no, no. It's just weird because Phil's like, you wouldn't think that. He's kind of lumpy. He's just like an old man. Kinda. Yeah, yeah, he's got the dad bod rocking now. Yeah, but holy I was not shit. expecting him to, yeah, he's been, he's been doing his calf raises, put it that way. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I um, was impressed. The other golf gossip I saw was Bryson DeChambeau. So Bryson... I think it was on the Sky Sports broadcast where, and by the way, totally overlooked. Rich Beam was giving was giving commentary on that. Awesome. Haven't heard of Rich Beam in such a long time. Was he the guy that always wore the Hawaiian shirts on it, or is that Duffy Waldorf? I'm not sure. Yeah, I just know Rich Beam. I want to say a PGA Championship. He yeah, won. yeah, 2002 and he, PGA. And he was doing just the grooviest dance ever on the green. <laughs> it's the most 2000s thing I've ever seen. He had like his Oakleys on and. Might have been a Hawaiian shirt, and he's just grooving on the green. It was pretty solid. Anyway, and, you know, anybody who won a major in the early aughts during the Tiger years, kudos to them. So shout out to Rich Beam. But in the background, you see Bryson DeChambeau, and he's on the green, and he literally slams his putter down on the green and makes a big hole in the green, frankly. And you see him, you know, get his different repair tool out and fix it and whatnot. But then, dude, people were so upset about that. Saying, oh, he's destroying the cranes. It's Bryson DeChambeau. Like, he's going to cost headlines, frankly, no matter what he's doing. But I think it's important to remember that, was it last year? He just had that meltdown when he was on the practice range. He said it was unfortunate that it got caught on camera, which I understand. Anybody who's having a meltdown doesn't want that to be caught on camera. It's fortunate for us, though. It's fortunate for us. It's good content. But, you know, he just had, frankly, a meltdown where he's just like, he takes his hat off. He doesn't, he's like yelling at himself. It's very strange. But then also last week at Riviera, he was getting out of a bunker and then slammed his bunker or slammed his club down and tore up 
part of the edge of the bunker. And then literally the week after, he's caught on camera slamming his putter down on the green. You know, people were upset about it, rightfully so. And I kind of like it. It, I like it in two cents. Or I don't like it and I like it. It makes me not like Bryson DeChambeau more, just as a golf fan. But I think it's good for golf. He's slowly kind of turning in to that villain. Well, I, I think he started off as that villain, and then people were slowly he's, coming around on him. But now he's, like, getting and back. Out. Yeah, he's in and out. He is so interesting and weird, and anything he does is going to make you love him or hate him more. And then you might switch sides, and I can't decide. I, I think I'm Team Bryson right now. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the position of I'm anti-Team Bryson. Really? Which is fine. Yeah, but, again, like, he could do something, like, next week, and maybe we're switching teams. Yes. Like, it's anything. Like, anything he does is going to be, <laughs> like, magnified. Like, he could use uh, this new ball marker that pats down the surface area behind his ball. And, like, I don't know, some stupid science shit. I'm not even smart enough <laughs> to come up with it. But yeah, people it's don't just like those small things, weird things he does that people either like it or don't, and it just magnifies it. Yeah, people don't like Bryson because he's got that science – shtick to him and he overthinks it especially when he was i think it was in dubai where he was asking about the humidity in the air whether his ball is going to go and he's in the news too with pace of play as well it's just yeah and like it makes me not like bryson more just myself but like i said i think it's good for golf because people don't like golf because everybody's a cookie cutter guy it's pretty much the same thing One over and over again. time, you know, blah 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 yeah it's kind of like that and justin he's talking Rose. about the fucking biomechanics and what 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 does he say about the pen? Whether it's the coefficient of restitution, coefficient on the pen, of restitution, whether he's gonna leave it in. Oh, a golfer God. has never said that. <laughs> oh gosh, a golfer has never <laughs> said that. And that's a pretty cool answer in comparison to oh, I'm just one shot at a time, taking it one shot at a time. Yep. And you know, Bryson doesn't fit that cookie cutter guy, which is great for golf. I think so. Oh, but yeah. you know, personally, I I think I would still love to go get a beer with Bryson if he drinks. I don't know if he does. Because he's a nerd, but no, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a really cool guy. I'm sure. I know he is. He's given a lot of cool interviews. I'm like me and him would probably definitely be friends. I feel mm. like. But in terms of him if as he a would golfer, let you. drive. Yeah, if he lets me, shout out to Bryson. <laughs> Hopefully, I could be your friend. Bryson, let me be your friend, please. <laughs> See, it changes. It oh, always changes. Damn it! Damn it! It's <laughs> shit. All right, we're gonna move on here. It's yeah, we're yeah. So Bryson, he's the man. It's just everything he does in terms of golf kind of sucks, but overall for the game, I think it's good. Um, okay, so we're actually going to transition now. The Honda Classic is this week. To give a quick preview, and actually a guy that I used to work with on the PGA Tour, we were in inside sales together, and he's now the sales manager of the Honda Classic, and his name is Michael Vaughn. Vaughn's a good friend. I wanted to get him on because the Honda Classic is this week, and he has a really great story. He was a professional golfer, played on many tours for about six years. He was struggling a little bit, realized that wasn't his career path, and then he got it an entry-level job because that was the first job I took right out of college was with the PGA Tour. It was an entry-level job. Mom was already close to 30 when he got there. Then he went to go work for the President's Cup at Liberty National, had a really good experience there, but he's from the Florida area, and then he made his way down to the Honda Classic. So hope you all enjoyed the interview with Michael Vaughn. Here it is. Okay, so we are joined by Michael Vaughn. Michael works down at the Honda Classic in West Palm Beach, Florida. Michael, what's your title over there? So my official title is Director of Corporate Partnerships. Uh, for lack of a better term, I'm sales manager down there. Sales manager. All right. Yeah, Michael, I wanted to have you on, obviously, because the Honda Classic is this week. So I appreciate you coming on because I know it's probably a pretty hectic week for you running around setting things up and whatnot but uh, I love your story about how you ended up at the Honda Classic so can you kind of go through that story for us yeah absolutely and uh, you know I appreciate that Scott you know I think my my journey began uh, actually with you in in inside sales at at the PGA Tour headquarters that's right so we uh, our cubicles were right across from each other making making cold calls every day and (laughs) <laughs> trying to sell, you know, hospitality and, and ticket packages to uh, to Joe Schmo and, and everyone who wanted to go to those those champ management events. So, um, no, that's that's kind of where it all began. Uh, you know, 
I, I played golf in college at the University of Tampa, and then I played about six years in the mini tours. And when I realized I, I wasn't making enough money to sustain myself, I had to get a real-world job, and the PGA Tour was calling. So I, I found a little opening there and, and got myself into inside sales. And, um, you know, that's that's where it all began. I, I started there as, you know, inside sales, as you know, is kind of a basic sales gig. But from there, it's a lot it, of phone calls. To, uh, it kind of took off for me a little bit. It led to a nice job with uh, the President's Cup after about a year in inside sales. And so I moved to New York, and I did two years of selling the hospitality tents for the President's Cup at Liberty National, which was held uh, just let's say about a year and a half ago now in uh, September of 2017. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then uh, when... The, uh, the President's Cup was over. I uh, was looking for the next gig because that was, that was very temporary. I knew it was um, just because that tournament rotates every two years you know, in and out of the United States. Uh, and the Honda Classic had an opening here, and I knew some people. And with a little bit of help from the tour, I found a really good home here at the Honda Classic. I've got a great team, and uh, we've got a really great event here at PGA National. And uh, we're shaping up for a great event this coming week, so... That's kind of how I got to where I am right now. Yeah, I love that. What's one thing you realize, I mean, because you mentioned you played many tours for about six years, literally chasing the dream. What was that transition like working or trying to play golf and then working in golf? Well, I mean, the toughest part was not being able to pick up the sticks every day. <laughs> uh, you know, I got, I got very comfortable with, you know, just my daily routine was just going to the range. Uh, you know, if I didn't have anything to do, so right. having to go to an office and sit in a chair and put on a headset for for eight hours a day was, you know, that's a very different experience. So I I had a tough time with it uh, through inside sales. I mm-hmm. you know I spent my weekends at the range at TPC Sawgrass and just beating balls, uh, just because that's what I feel comfortable doing in my spare time. But uh, but no, I, it was tough at first, but I've I've grown used to it now and. I've come to grips with the fact that I can only touch the sticks every every week to two weeks at, at, at most. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's still better than most people, though. Well, true. true. Yeah, I'm about it's to say having a. Now that I'm down here in Florida, that's for sure. Yeah, there's a there, there's a lot of golf, especially in the area that you're in. What was it like working for the Presidents Cup? Uh, so for our listeners, uh, Michael actually hooked me up. Unfortunately, not for the Presidents Cup, but for the Northern Trust, which was held just a month later. And for me and KJ, we were up there, and that was the week the Hurricane Harvey hit. So me and KJ were stuck in Hurricane, we're stuck in New York, because uh, the, the city of Houston was underwater, practically. But obviously, the President's Cup—it's a big international event. Like I said, every two years. This year, it's held in Australia. How is that different than than the Honda Classic? Well, the President's Cup is um, is very unique. You know, being that it's it's very similar to the Ryder Cup it's it's got that team atmosphere which golf rarely has so mm-hmm. there's a lot of camaraderie around it um, I think you know I've been a part of a lot of golf events PGA Tour events a lot of sporting events in my life in my career and I still to this day the, the coolest sporting experience I've ever had was at the first tee on Thursday at the President's Cup and nice. the they had built a stadium feel around the first tee and there's about 2,000 people around there and you know they had the chants going back and forth of USA USA and then they had the international crowd and I honestly don't remember what their chant was but it it was creative um, <laughs> do they have the ole ole or is that just the it, European guys you know there was uh, there's a little bit of the ole 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 uh, <laughs> they had an internationals chant I can't remember how it went but you know it's just very cool you know they, they played the national anthem they had um, you know, three former U.S. presidents were in attendance. They had Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, and George uh, George W. Bush. Um, so it was just a very humbling experience. Um, I, don't know, I, I look look back to the videos I have on my phone of of that day and that that experience, and it still gives me the chills. It was just just the amount of people that were there. The the first tee shot being hit. Um, it just was a really unique surreal experience uh, you know just to watch those guys play for their country and um, you know just put it all on the line for for nothing but pride and country it's just a cool thing when right you know knowing that these guys play you know day in and day out for 
you know, the big bucks on tour to, to see them come together like that in a team atmosphere is just really neat. Yeah, because they don't get paid for that, right? They don't. Um, there's donations made uh, in their name to uh, to their charity of choice. And it, it may, I don't remember exactly, I wasn't part of this part of the event, but I believe the winning team gets a little bit more for their charities. I, I, I could have that wrong. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the charitable aspect is there, uh, but they don't get a direct paycheck. That's correct. Right. Okay. So the Honda classic is this week. What should we keep our eyes out for? Uh, obviously just as the average fan, I believe Justin Thomas is the defending champion. He is. is that right? That's correct. Yep. Um, you know, just despite what some people are, are saying, we have a great field this year. Um, it's tough. Uh, Tiger Woods is not playing this year. So I saw that, that was, that was a tough pill to swallow. Um, yeah, I was about to say if yeah, because the schedule changes with the players coming up in a few weeks and whatnot. That's that's got to make it a little harder, isn't it? It's a little tough, you know. With you know, Tiger's uh, foundation runs the Genesis or Genesis tournament now in LA, so that it's that tournament, and then the WGC in Mexico, which is being played this weekend. Then it's the Honda Classic. Then it's the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And then it's the players. Um, so you have five weeks in a row of events that in the past he's normally played. Yep. And, of course, Tiger, with all his back issues and knee issues and everything, he's not going to play five straight weeks. And <laughs> for that most part, he's not going to play three straight weeks. Um, so, unfortunately, he's he's skipping the Honda this year. Um, but with that said, we've got Justin Thomas. We've got Ricky Fowler. We've got Adam Scott. Um, you know, we've got Sergio Garcia. Um, I was doing a little bit of research on our field today, and, our field actually includes four FedEx Cup champions, um, fifteen major, cha- uh, feature, fifteen major championship winners. Wow! Uh, five of which they have multiple majors, and then combined with everyone, there's I think close to if not over a hundred combined tour wins. So <laughs> there's we've got a we have a really good field despite what anyone thinks. Yeah, and the course is known as one of the harder courses on the PGA Tour. Have you had a chance to play it? I have. Uh, it is a very difficult golf course. Uh, <laughs> now that I'm, I'm back to my amateur status, I can play from the up tees. I, I play from about a thousand yards shorter from where they play now. Um, and it's very nice. I don't have to hit drivers often. It's, it's, it's a much more enjoyable experience. But yeah, it's a very difficult golf course. Um, they just redid the greens this, this summer, so the course reopened in October. Um, so they will be very firm and very fast. Uh, it's going to be a really tough go- test of golf this week. I think that's it's kind of like a dirty little secret. Whenever courses redo greens, man, that first year, even two years, those green Ooh. greens are so firm. And you better aim for the front edge. That's yeah, all I can say. I can't imagine how fast they probably got those greens rolling too. On that, oh man, it's <laughs> it's crazy. They. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you don't hit it, if you don't aim for the front half of every green, uh, you're going to be bouncing them over the back edge quite often. So it's wow. it's going to be interesting. I My guess, and again, I'm totally speculating here, and I'm, I am no expert, but my guess is somewhere around 10 under to less than 10 under will win this tournament. You know, for your average PGA Tour events, that's pretty low. I mean, you look it's, at... It is. Yeah, you look at like a John Deere class or even down here in Houston, where we're at, when he scores pretty close to 20 under, which is wild to me. That is so many birdies. Yeah, and you think about, like, go back a couple weeks to the uh, the Desert Classic out in Palm Springs, and there was a three-way playoff, at, or it was a three-way playoff, or is it, or sorry, it came down to the 18th hole, and there were three guys tied at 26 under par, <laughs> and Adam Long won it with a birdie, and he finished at 27, so yeah. it's not like he ran away with it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Man. Uh, Unbelievable. So, you know, these guys, they know how to make birdies. And uh, I, I will tell you, it's going to be a challenge for them to make birdies at, at PJ National. That course is, is playing tough. The rough is up. The greens are firm. The greens are slick. It's going to be it's going to be tough. I love it. Uh, what's it like selling for a tournament like that? I mean, obviously coming from New York down to West Palm Beach, Florida, it, it's got to be a little different clientele, right? You know, it is, um, you know, one of the biggest things I've noticed is, uh, you know, in New York, you kind of have a quote unquote unlimited list of companies to call on. So when I'm looking for, 
I'm cold calling or I'm looking to do a little research, do a little prospecting on new people, new companies. Um, you know, I, I kind of have an unlimited, there's companies everywhere within that tri-state area out there down here. It's, it's much more limited, not there's much fewer companies. Um, you know, I've had to outstretch my, my reach to the Miami market, the Boca Raton market, Fort Lauderdale, um, up North to Stewart. Um, we've even got companies in Orlando that we've reached out to that are sponsoring our events. So we've had to do a lot of stretching of, of who we, we touch, who we reach out to. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be honest, we're, uh, you know, with the Mexico event this week, kind of, kind of, um, speaks to that not being at Doral anymore. We've got a lot of companies in Miami that are looking to entertain. They love golf, but they don't have a golf event anymore because it's not a Doral. So we've actually been reaching out to a lot of those companies and trying to figure out if, you know, maybe we can get them to spend a day at the Honda Classic, which has been very helpful too. So, yeah, um, you know, it's definitely much more of a challenge down here to find new clientele. But one I welcome. That's that's part of the gig and that's part of the job. That's part of what I love doing. You know, you kind of touched on it whenever you got your amateur status back. What was that process like? Oh, boy. I wrote a nice check to the USGA to uh, to review my credential, my pro, my portfolio of not very many high finishes on the mini tours. Um, <laughs> it took about three minutes, and they said, yeah, you can have your amateur status back. So um, normally you got to wait – at least two years from your last professional start um, in order to be considered for amateur status. Really? Yeah. So fortunately it had been four years, I think. So it wasn't, wasn't too hard for me to get back. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say, cause we, cause when we were at tour headquarters, we met a few people that couldn't play in some amateur events that we wanted to play in with us. Cause it's just, yeah. they were still, they tried to make it on tour and then got a job within the tour and they were like, yeah, I'm so in for manager status back. You know, I never tried to do that, so that's I didn't have to worry about it. But uh, <laughs> wait, wait, you had to write a check, though, to the USGA? I did. I had to pay the USGA $150 to get my amateur status back. Oh, this is why yeah. I can't stand the USGA. They just take your money. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the USGA. <laughs> yeah, that was, was a hard check to write, but, you know, it's it's fun to be playing amateur events again. You know, I played a few last summer. I, I kind of, <laughs> I entered the Florida State Am qualifier on a whim, just looking for a little competition, and I wound up getting through in a playoff. So that was kind of fun. Wow. Um, so you know, I'm I'm I like the the amateur events, and it's it's fun to just get in some competition. So I'm looking forward to another good summer of events this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, hopefully as this podcast grows and whatnot. Um, the golf community is big in Florida, so hopefully we'll be growing in the state of Florida. And with the tournament this week, I'd assume all your inventory is sold out or pretty Just close about, to it. You know, all of our private suites are. Uh, we've got a – the Bear Trap is our, our infamous party venue. Um, that's that's yeah, it is. close to sold out. Um, we've See, got a reserve section within the Bear Trap this year where companies can have – can kind of own some real estate, which they've never never been able to do before. Cool. Um, the Bear Trap venue itself is about 40,000 square feet. It's huge. Wraps around the 17th tee box and the 16th green. So um, it's going to be rocking and rolling this year. And so we're just about sold out there. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, we're, we're close to it, if, if not already sold out. Right. If anybody in the future, though, wants to come out to the Honda Classic, call Michael Vaughn. He'll hook you up. You, you call me directly at 561-799-4624. It's direct office line. There it is. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, one one thing that's awesome is that pretty much right after the week after the tournament, you're already looking forward to next year, right? We are, yeah. We uh, So we had a, a pretty steady plan in, in place where we try and get as many partners renewed as we can within the first uh, 90 days. That's kind of our window. Okay. And so, you know, all of March, April, and May, right up till June 1st, we're going to be doing everything we can to get those people renewed. And, you know, we'll host a golf event to kind of entice people a little bit. And, you know, hey, bring your signed contract to renew for next year. And, you know, you can play in the golf event type of deal. Um, we'll host a couple of events, cocktail parties, um, different things to, to help kind of draw people in. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're starting right away. We're, we're actually bringing people out during this tournament week um, as well, showing them new things, showing current partners new things on course like hey you know you could do this next year 
Um, so we're already using this as, as an event to help draw for, for 2020 sales. Mm -hmm. If there's anybody out there who might be on the edge of you know taking people out to a tournament or maybe they're deciding, at least in Houston, there are a lot of options between a Houston Open versus Rockets tickets or Texans tickets. What would you say would want to bring them out to a golf tournament? You know, I you know the the coolest thing about a PGA Tour is that it appeals to everyone. There's all types of levels of entertainment. You know, I feel like when you go to a baseball game or a basketball game or a hockey game, sometimes it can be a little bit. You know, you got your base level ticket, or you got a really high end suite ticket. Um, you know, most every PGA Tour event has a grounds ticket, and then you have you know you pay fifty bucks more and you can get into a hospitality suite. You pay 50 bucks more, you get into a little bit nicer place or a little bit high-profile location. You pay a little bit more than that, and you get all of a sudden you got all-inclusive, full open bar and full lunch buffet, that type of thing. Um, every PGA Tour event has a lot of different levels of entertainment, so that's a great benefit. And the other part of it is most people aren't even there for the golf. They're there for the entertainment. The you know, From yep. the business side, the one-on-one -on -one time you get with clients is unmatched um, to any other event. So... Um, I think that's the, the biggest thing. And, you know, the other part of it is, too, you're getting a front row seat to these things. You know, you go to a stadium and you buy a $200 ticket, you could be up in the nosebleeds and the, in the rafters and need binoculars to see the guys in the course or right. on, the, on the court. You go to a golf event, you can get, with a grounds ticket, you can get up on the ropes and, you know, Tiger can hit his ball hard left into the crowd and you can be standing right next to him as he hits a shot. I mean, you you essentially got a greenside seat no matter where you where you go. So right. I think it's a really unique aspect of golf that, that people don't really realize. Whenever me and KJ went out to the Houston Open, you mentioned binoculars. We had binoculars, but it wasn't for watching golf. It was actually a flask. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're going with that. We had a good time. Let's just put it that way. We got after right, it. It was <laughs> Anyway. All right. So who's gonna win this week? Who you got? The Honda Classic? Yep. Oh, boy. My money might be on uh, either Ricky Fowler or Adam Scott. Okay. About to say, because Ricky yeah. won it a couple years ago, right? Ricky won it two years ago. Um, Adam Scott won it three years ago. And both are playing really well right now. So yep. I would be hard, I would be looking for those two players for sure. Okay. There you go. For our listeners who like to throw down a few bucks here or there on, on players. Vaughn's the guy to talk to. He's got the inside track. That's my two picks. <laughs> Man, Adam Scott really has been playing well, hasn't he? With He's been playing some great golf. Yeah, I don't know if it's because the pin in, is in now every single time. Like, I don't think it magically made him a better putter overnight, but it definitely has helped him mentally, I think, to get the ball rolling. Yeah, he definitely is uh, is putting lights out right now, and he's, he's hitting some great shots. You know, being a pretty consistent iron player, so I, you know, he's he's going to be a contender. That's for sure. Did you hear Adam Scott give an interview? It was probably about a month ago or so. Now he's not playing in any WGCs, so that's why I think he's able to make it to the Honda Classic. He's skipping the, the tournament in Mexico this week, which I think, yeah, I think is wild because in terms of just points, FedEx Cup points, World Golf ranking points, those WGCs are pretty, pretty important. They are pretty important, you know. It's that's that's an interesting strategy, um, but you know, if you're confident in your schedule and how it lays out, um, you know, it's definitely a way to go. It's tough with the way the schedule lines up this year. You got, you know, like we talked about, LA, then Mexico, then Honda, then Arnold Palmer, then players, and then it's Valspar, and then I want to say the match play is right away in, in Austin, or there might be one or two weeks, be, you know, in between there. So yeah, it is. It, it really. Yeah, it really stacks up tough to, to make the WGCs while also keeping your commitments to some of those other events. So, you know, it's it's definitely a, a challenge for some of these guys to make every event. And, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that, that he's skipping the WGCs. That's that's so definitely a way to go. Vaughn, we really appreciate you coming on, man. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Good time catching up as well. As I mentioned, we've come a long way from the inside sales days from the PGA Tour. Definitely have. Out there That's just grinding sure. it out, 100 calls a day. <laughs> well, there. I appreciate you having me on, man. This has been a real pleasure. And, uh, you know, I look forward to hopefully visiting you guys again in, in the future. And hopefully, uh, you know, not during the, the week prior to the tournament when I can have a little more time to chat. Yeah, I was about to say, we'll, we'll get you on again. 
hopefully uh, as this podcast grows and as the year progresses. So uh, who knows, maybe next year we might have to come do a live podcast from the Honda Classic. We welcome that. So boom, we, we would love to have you. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Hey, thanks, Vaughn. Scott, appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks again to Michael Vaughn for coming on. It was kind of last second the way we got him on. He's obviously very busy with the Honda Classic coming up this week. So, uh, Vaughn, thanks again for making time. We really appreciate it. We, I want to hit on a couple of quick things before we wrap up here. The state of Kentucky for high school golf, I think, really messed up. Pace of play has been in the issue between the LPGA this last week and then J.B. Holmes at the Genesis Open. Pretty much J.B. Holmes says, I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to play when I'm ready. And no people were upset about that. But he went on the win, so he kind of gave an F.U. to everybody for that. But on the heels of that, the state of Kentucky announced that for team golf, they're going to reduce the number of players that play in their state championship from five players to four. Now, those who aren't familiar with high school golf, you take five guys, and then you take the four lowest scores. So essentially, if somebody has a bad round, you can throw that out and still take your four lowest scores. But they they attribute it to pace of play as to why they reduced it, because they thought reducing the number of players would increase pace of play overall. I guess, in theory, it makes sense, but that is so freaking stupid what they did. I mean, you want to talk about growing the game, but then you literally reduce the number of players that play in your state championship? That is just wrong, I think. I, I got really fired up about this when I saw it, because at my state championship, when I was in high school, I won't get into it now, I probably will at a different point, but long story short, I ended up getting disqualified. And ended up costing my team a state championship. Now, if that had happened, and if we didn't have that fifth guy, our team would have been disqualified overall. We still ended up finishing like third or fourth. But if we didn't have that, then the entire team would have been disqualified. That really struck home with me. It drove me nuts. I don't like it. State of Kentucky, please change that. The rule Now, getting up there, you can still take five guys. So like at regionals, you can still bring five and take four. But at the state championship, you can only take four. What if somebody gets sick last second? You know, KJ shared on the first episode that he got viral meningitis the day before the state tournament. Now, granted, he was a medalist, an individual, so it didn't matter for the team. But if that, like, free things happen, shit happens. And if you're going to take away people from playing golf like that, I just, I don't like it at all. You know what's ironic about this? What's that? J.B. Holmes is from Kentucky. Exactly. Yes, that's so true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So, Thanks, JB. Yeah, so State of Kentucky, whoever does that, <laughs> please change it. Uh, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to Johnson Wagner. He played at the Puerto Rico Open this year, <laughs> and he shot three under par 69. Three under par. It's a podcast name. Not once, not twice, but four <laughs> straight days. He shot 69. That's awesome. It's good stuff. You can't make that up. It's amazing. <laughs> so shout-out to Johnson Wagner. I think he ended up finished, he finished second, too. So. Fantastic. All right. Next week is the Honda Classic. We mentioned uh, Vaughn. He picked, or he said, to watch out for Adam Scott and Ricky Fowler. My quick pick for that, I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka the win. It's one of the harder courses on the PJ Tour. You know, probably around 10 under will win, as opposed to even this last week, DJ won a 21 under. So you need a person who has a little bit more experience with that. I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka. Uh, T-Bone, who you got? Okay. Yeah, I think for this week, uh, I'm going to go with JT. He's been knocking on the door, and... He's just so damn good. He had a heck of a of a final round in Mexico. 61, 62? 62, yeah. Yeah, he's so freaking good. Yep. And I think I don't he, hate it. I think he's going to keep the fire going. Okay. Till the week. Love it. We're going to end here with our John Daly quote of the day. Now, I'm going to preface this. This came after he won the 1991 PGA Championship at Crooked Stick Golf Club, which we can do an entire podcast about just John Daly in general, but even more specifically this tournament. But he was the ninth alternate for the PGA Championship in 1991. The only reason why he got in is because Nick Price dropped out because his wife was about to give birth. And so he even got to use his caddy for the week named Jeff Squeaky Bedlin. His nickname is Squeaky. So his quote says, all four days I didn't think. I just hit. Squeaky said kill, and I killed it. <laughs> Boom. John Daly. Simple yet eloquent. <laughs> I love it. He didn't even play practice round. Do you know that? When he won the, in 1991? He it's didn't awesome. even play practice round. He drove through the night, got there, shot 69 on the first day, and then went on to win by three. Doesn't he say, he's like, I, he goes, there's a lot of trouble on that course. I just hit it past it. Yep. No big deal. I love yeah. it. Cool. All right. So thanks again for tuning in to the 300 Par Podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate y'all sticking with us. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe and write us a review. 
But most importantly, tell a friend about the podcast. Give us five stars and give us a good review because we want to hear from you on how we're doing. You can check us out on social media at 3 Under Par Pod. That is the number 3, 3 Under Par Pod across all the social media platforms. Our email is on there too, so if you send us an email, especially with a good golf story on it, we'll probably read it. We'll keep it anonymous for you as well. Thanks again for listening to the 3 Under Par Podcast. Where little white balls life. You got it next time, KJ. Peace.